into cybersecurity, there's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Monday, Monday, January 8th, 2024. This is episode number 530 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Haircut Fish, Marcus Kyler, chairman of the Eat Crew, Senfless, Dr Divine Dream Divine, John Hoyt coming in hot, Carrie, Alicia, Jerry, Chris Young, 101 Essential Cybersecurity, all the folks over on LinkedIn, all the folks over on YouTube, old timers, long timers, first timers, every timer. We're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you apply this, whether you're at the CISO level like my man John Hoyt, or you're looking to break in. There is value for you here because you need to understand what's going on so you can make adjustments in your cyber program to deliver cyber risk reduction to your business stakeholders. And if you're just getting introduced to cybersecurity, believe me, the podcast is going to help you significantly. We're going to be covering terminology, concepts, current state of affairs, APTs, and as a um, like one of these salt uh, bay things, chef's kiss. The networking over here, the reason that Chad is on stream right now is because the networking, the community, it is dynamite. Say what's up to Alex Goodwin. Say yeet to Marcus Kyler. Just so everyone knows, I do not prep or research for any of the stories that we're about to go over in the next 45 minutes. So it's, you're getting my straight, raw, rough attitude and thoughts coming low on, low on the hip on a train bound for glory. I'm half a pot in on the coffee, and it's still not busting through this Monday funk I got in my myself here. Oh, I guess I'm more than half a pot as I as I finish it off. Hey, before we get into the show, I do want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors because they enable me to show up every single day, flip out on this microphone, and drink this coffee and engage with all of you. So holla, holla, holla. Let's say what's up to Barricade Cyber Solutions. My man, Eric Taylor, and the crew over at barricade cyber solutions let me tell you about them really quickly they are dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done cyber attacks like ransomware like business email compromise like can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated hard-working business owners into turmoil but guess what y'all many of you know this but some of you may not know 
that Barricade Cyber Solutions knows exactly how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Also want to say shout out to my good friend, Brandon Poole over at Panopsi Security. Guys, panopsi.com, get a partner who understands your cyber program and business goals. The TLDR with Panopsi is that if you need um, staff augmentation, right? You need someone to come in, but you don't need a full-time or you just need someone to come in and do a, a risk assessment, run a tabletop exercise, give you a roadmap for one year, tell you how to spend your money in 2024, right? There's no shade being thrown here. We are all busy professionals and having an outside trusted, skilled professional come in and help a little bit is actually a clever move to uh, maximize your um, your your, your budget dollars, frankly. So panopsi.com, whatever you need in 2024, they can help you from a cyber perspective. If you need like a, you know, a steak and cheese bomb, maybe you go to like D'Angelo's or something like that. But if you need cyber risk reduction, my man, Brandon and his team over there at Panopsi, that's what's up. Also shout out to Anti-Siphon, but more about those beautiful babies at the mid-roll. Hey, just so y'all know, Every episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief, just like this one, episode 530, is worth half a CPE. Be sure to check with your certifications, bodies, policies, since I don't write those. But I've checked ISACA, I've checked ISC Squared, I've checked a few others. Half a CPE for each episode. So just say what's up in chat, grab a screen cap, throw it in a file, and then once a year, go ahead and uh, route them. I did see someone in chat the other day say that they got audited by ISC Squared and provided evidence to support why they um, made those claims for the CPEs and they were going to get back to us. So um, I'm expecting it to go through and just have more evidence to support what I'm saying. Uh, finally, if you are two things, one, if you are here for the first time, if you're like, what is this guy up to? Well, welcome to the party, pal. Do me a favor, drop a hashtag first timer in chat, hashtag first timer in chat. Just type it in there. We, as a community, welcome first-timers. So if it's your first episode, we got a special sound effect for you. We got a special emote for you. Just drop a hashtag first-timer in chat and watch the community welcome you with open arms. Like my man, Eric Ross. Welcome to the party, pal, welcome to the party, pal Eric Ross. We got a little sounder for you. We got a little, a little John McClain action. Boom, boom, boom. There we go. Love it, love it, love it. And if you are a regular, a long-timer, a recent-timer, Drop a hashtag Team SC in chat. You are part of the Simply Cyber community. Hashtag Team SC. Love it, love it, love it. All right, guys. We got a great show for you lined up. I'm excited. It is Monday, which is community member of the uh, week recognition. I got a great one for you. Michael Scaife, what's up, first timer? Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Hey, Matt. Well, 67. Thank you for stepping into the light and saying hello, you passive observer. Yeah, beautiful baby. Ah, oh, it's so good. All right, guys. I love the morning uh, read. I love getting all amped up with all y'all. But as fun as it is to play, we do have work to do here. So I'm going to take a slug of this coffee, and we're going to get right into the news, okay? All right. Well, do me a favor, everybody. Get your drink of choice. Get comfortable. And let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over all of us in an awesome wave. I will see you at the mid-roll. 
From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. These are the Cybersecurity Headlines for Monday, January the 8th, 2024. I'm Steve Prentice. Welcome, Chris Gregg. Merck and its insurers settle $1.4 billion not Petia case. Following up on a story that is a few years in the making and that had the potential to set precedent in the world of cyber insurance, the pharmacy multinational Merck & Co. has settled with its insurers in an 11th hour agreement. Merck had originally filed a $1.4 billion insurance claim for a 2017 NotPetya attack that its insurers refused to pay out on, with those insurers claiming the attack was an act of war and thus excluded by the insurance. A judge found in favor of Merck and the insurers appealed. This settlement, whose terms have not been disclosed, occurred shortly before oral arguments were to begin in a New Jersey Supreme Court review of the case this month. Breach for... All right, so here we go. Uh, welcome to the party, pal, Ben Hodor. Welcome to the party, pal. Love it, love it, love it. Oh, so check this out. This is actually a really huge case. Um, this is really important. Um, if you are a, a first-timer or you're more importantly, if you're new to the industry and you don't really understand where this fits in context. Uh, listen up, because this is a really, really important story. Okay, so just a little background. In 2017, Russia attacked Ukraine. They used a supply chain attack. It, again, this is all just background, so this story will make more sense for everybody. Russia attacked Ukraine. They in they got into a accounting software. Uh, called MeDoc. It's like TurboTax in the United States, except it's called MeDoc and it's for Ukraine people, okay? And they got in there and they basically pushed a legitimate update through MeDoc's update servers, but it was actually malware. It pretended to be a ransomware variant like Petya, which was a ransomware variant at the time. But in reality, it was just a wiper virus, which is just gnarly, gnarly, where it basically does exactly what it sounds like. It wipes, okay? Now, if you if if Russia was just trying to screw over Ukraine, that would have been fine, but not Petya spread out, right? These things, like once you release them in the wild, it's like, you know, fingers crossed. So not Petya gets out and it starts wrecking havoc on a lot of different businesses. And two specific businesses, one was Merck, and the other one was Mondelez. Now, um, I also thought um so Merck is a pharmaceutical company. I want to say that Maersk, the uh, transportation uh, shipping containers, um, massive transportation company was also impacted. But the deal with this one is Merck got hosed. Okay. And now again, in full disclosure, I might be confusing Maersk and Merck here with, with the impact, but basically a global company with facilities all over the world with an active directory, which is kind of like how you coordinate a, a, a company's network, all the Windows workstations and push down resources and you know domain controllers and stuff like that. It spread through all that and basically screwed up their entire operation. Merck was in a really bad place and they had cyber insurance because they're, they're smart, right? And everybody gets cyber insurance. So when NotPetya wrecked Merck, Merck called their insurance company and said, "Hey, listen, we got we're going to finally call in that uh that policy. Uh we need our 1.4 billion dollars in losses." And the insurance company was like, "Nah, brah. This was an act of war. It doesn't qualify." And and therein lies the rub, right? So Merck screwed 
insurance company throwing their hands up. Okay. Merck goes to uh, court and says, this is BS, um, you know, active war, all this other stuff. And the judge awards Merck. Now I thought that was the end of the story because right after that Mondelez, the massive like food, like snack food conglomerate, they immediately sued the insurance company, Zurich International, by the way, if you're, if you want to go a little bit deeper and they were awarded like $700 million, Mondelez was. And it was like, well, of course it was. The case study has already, the precedent has already been set, that judge. Now, it, I guess it doesn't surprise me that the lawyers or the insurance company immediately appealed that judgment, um, basically, because they didn't want to pay the money, right? Would you rather pay $1.4 billion or hire a team of lawyers for $50 million and hope you can reduce it, right? Uh, George Strasburger coming in hot from Vancouver for my first international GRC audit. Thanks, Team SC. The masterclass helped me get it done. Heck yeah. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Shout out to George. Also, George, shout out to you for getting up at 5 a.m. to join us live in stream. Love that blue badge and hope you straight up crush that audit today, sir. Okay, so here, so now that we have all the background on this, here's the story. There was an 11th hour settlement. Um, I'm sure whatever it is that it says, see how it says the terms are confidential. Merck is going to be made whole in some capacity, probably not to one point one point four billion dollars. What is what is what is more important about this story is what it will do for precedence around um, other companies that have insurance claims that try to call them in. And the insurance company could push back and say active war. I say this all the time, guys. The internet is an incredibly hostile place. Like Russia doing a denial of service on Ukraine in Kiev in order to roll tanks in. That's the same internet that I'm watching Netflix on. Okay? It, it, there's one internet and it's incredibly hostile. And when things get like spun up and let loose, right? Like a, like a Beyblade. Ooh, there's a reference for the parents in the room like a Beyblade rounder and you pull that thing and let it go, just like Stuxnet got out, just like NotPetya got out, these things can get out and, and just go ham on people. So it's it's if the whole point of getting cyber insurance is to protect your business from a cyber attack. And the argument is it doesn't matter if it's a criminal mastermind or if it's a nation state, it, you want insurance for the sake of insurance. So qualifying act of war. By the way, I just want to point out, it's funny that the insurance company can call it an act of war, but a nation will not identify and acknowledge and accept it as an act of war. Because if you do that, you start in, uh, introducing like whatever article five of Geneva convention or whatever, like whatever the article five thing is like, basically you're saying we are at war. We have been attacked. Okay. Like, so North Korea attacked uh, Sony pictures, a private company on us soil. And we didn't call that <laughs> an act of war. You know what I'm saying? So it's bananas. We'll see what's up. Obviously, um, the insurance company, in this case, in my opinion, the insurance company had high, high, high interest in not letting this go, um, the settlement go public because it's going to set precedent. Thank you, NATO, NATO Article 5. Thanks, Alec Goodwin. Um, so anyways, this is a... I don't want to call it landmark case, but it's pretty important. And by the way, uh, just as another quick aside, like I'm a big cyber insurance nerd. It is a subset of GRC and it is probably the least um, 
it's the most niche thing in our industry as far as I'm concerned, or at least definitely within the GRC space. Not a lot of people care about the insurance, um, but there's, there's a lot to it. All right. So anyways, way to go, Merck. You know what the crappy thing is too? It took like basically six years. I'm pretty sure this happened around um, the holidays um, in 2017. So dude, it took six years. Thank, I mean, can you imagine your business getting hosed and then you have to go six years before you get um, compensated, or not compensated, but like made whole on your insurance policy? Not a lot of businesses could do that. Like small business would have got crushed. Admin Pompompurin breaches terms of pretrial freedom. The former admin of the cybercrime hotspot Breach Forums, Connor Fitzpatrick, also known as Pom Pom Purin, was re-arrested on January the 2nd for, quote, violating the conditions of his pretrial release by using a computer without the required monitoring software and using virtual private network services. Fitzpatrick was originally arrested in March of last year and in July pleaded guilty to three felony counts relating to the operation of Breach Forums. His sentencing for these counts is scheduled for January the 19th, and he will now spend the time between now and then in jail. All right. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm hot. So this guy's 21, right? So a little bit younger. Um, he was, um, he's been charged with three felonies. This is interesting from a cyber perspective, simply because it's a dark web marketplace and we're seeing, um, Dude, dude, like I, I'm, I'm positive this individual assumed they would never find out that he used the internet or the computer, right? When you're ordered not to use a computer because like, dude, I, I don't know. I don't know. Here's my thing, right? Like I, I try to put myself in the shoes, right? Three felonies. They probably have a solid case on you. Like. Using the computer, like you're not going to get to use one in jail. You're probably going to go to jail for quite a while. So, you know, I guess he was probably thinking, like, what's the big deal? I could probably, I could probably make it so they don't even find out I use the computer. Hence the VPN, right? But, um, you know, what, what are they going to throw more time on? I mean, the the crappy thing is basically though that he has started. Um, he is. Oh, actually, he's already been found guilty, and his sentencing is January nineteenth. All right, so here's what I think. This guy's like, I'm going to jail for a long time. I won't be able to use a computer in jail. Who gives a sh right? Who gives a Sorry, Kennedy. Like, just who cares? Let's go. What are they going to do? Like, what's the difference between 10 years and 10 years and um, 11 days, right? Or 20 years and 11 days. It's 11 days until he gets sentenced. So, anyways, that's, that, I mean, that's it. That's the story. <laughs> Iranian crypto exchange Bit24.cash accidentally exposes customer data. Over-the-counter crypto exchanges are widely used in Iran due to the country's limited access to foreign markets and funds. Bit24.cash used Know Your Customer KYC requirements to confirm the validity of its users. However, researchers at Cyber News, quote, uncovered a misconfigured object storage system instance inadvertently granting access to S3 buckets containing the platform's KYC data, end quote. This misconfiguration has apparently compromised the data of around 230,000 Iranian citizens exposing passports, IDs, and credit cards. 
Security right. Affairs states, quote, the instance has since been secured and is no longer accessible, end quote. Yeah, there you go. Jesus, it's been a minute. Woo, hey, 2021 called. They want their leaky S3 bucket back. Wow. Okay, so the micro story here is a financial company. It almost doesn't even matter that it's an Iranian company or a crypto company. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. Right, it doesn't matter. That's not the story here. It, like you could insert any industry, any country, and it would be the same story. This company uses AWS, backend infrastructure, the cloud, CICD, sexy, and they use S3 buckets, which are basically AWS databases. But don't get me started on Amazon's or AWS's naming convention for their services. It's super annoying to me. And I'm a guy who loves vulnerabilities with cool names and cool logos, but like, it just annoys me. Like, ugh, like, check out LightSail. Like, did you know that that's their web server platform? Neither did I until I had to look it up. Like, get out of here with your, your beanstalk. Like, what are you doing, AWS? I guess I did get myself started on this. So anyways, S3 is basically code for database. And it used to be all the time, the databases would be uh, initially configured as kind of exposed and not really secure because standard practice, it works out of the box. So people, engineers, businesses, they're happy, right? Oh, it works. Everything's good to go. But you don't realize that you're exposed um, like a, <laughs> like someone about to go into surgery wearing a hospital gown. Your butt is hanging out in the wind, bruh. So Amazon got, there was a lot of blowback. Amazon eventually kind of changed the initial configuration of the S3 buckets to be secure. And I want to point out that in order to open them up for misconfiguration, you literally have to click through multiple like screens that say like, are you sure this is going to be public? Are you sure? Click here. Like, like you have to like deliberately do this. Now, insert BitCash24. Whether it was a uh, well-intended you know, engineer, somebody who's like in the business and not an IT person who was clicking on things that they shouldn't, by the way, they shouldn't have had that access to begin with. However it happened, they had a leaky S3 bucket, which means for a period of time, that information was public. I also want to point out that the second you make it public, it's not like you 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 misconfigure it and then all of a sudden like your website is just like straight up blaring like oh oh we got leaks we got leaks come get your leaks here no it's like everything looks the same and works the same it's just that you now can access that data without any type of um authentication you could just be like give it to me give it to me give it to me and obviously 230,000 users of bitcash24 in iran now have this information driver's license passport um, what they look like, everything exposed. So, you know, this sucks for those individuals. You can't, I mean, you can go get another passport. You can go get a new driver's license, I suppose, but it's going to be all the same data. You can't change your date of birth. It's not easy to change your address. It's not easy to change your eye color, right? So it just sucks that for practitioners, if you are here and you support a, um, if you are here and you support a tech company, usually like tech startups uh, operate in AWS, but there's a lot of AWS. If you're supporting an AWS business, make sure 
Two things. One, make sure, well, three things. One, make sure that the engineers and developers know that the S3 buckets need to be secured appropriately. Two, you should absolutely proactively and with regularity be checking the um, external facing network or external facing resources to include the S3 buckets to make sure that they're actually still configured properly. I'd argue you almost Shodan Monitor will not do this, but there's probably some service out there. You could ask ChatGPT to whip you up a Python script, but there's definitely a way to automate checking the S3 bucket for access. Have it run once a day or four times a day. Who cares? It's automated, right? And just if it detects it open, report back so you can get it closed. The, the idea is that you can't stop an engineer from opening it up public, right? But you can catch it and limit that uh, exposure window, right? Okay. Also, if you're auditing, if you're auditing like George Strasberger, if you're auditing cloud infrastructure, you might want to add this to your um, your checks, if you will. Also want to say shout out to Eric Taylor. I heard he's in chat. Turkish APT spies on companies in the Netherlands. According to Security Affairs, an espionage group named Sea Turtle has been observed targeting, quote, telco, media, ISPs, IT service providers, and Kurdish websites in the Netherlands, end quote. The Dutch security firm Hunt & Hackett, excellent name, by the way, states that the group <laughs> has been active since 2017, focusing on organizations in Europe and the Middle East and primarily using DNS hijacking. According to the firm's research, its main goal currently appears to be theft of information for surveillance or intelligence gathering on specific groups and or individuals. All right. So, you know, in my opinion, I don't hear um, Turkish threat actors very often. Just goes to show you that any country really can have a sophisticated cyber capability. You're not limited by needing um, like a huge population or a huge military uh, army, right? With like tanks and soldiers and stuff like that. Like you can go, I mean, I'm not saying that this Turkish APT did this, but I mean, you can go on the dark web and buy zero days. You can go buy cyber weapons and all of a sudden, there you go. You're, you're a, um, you're a, you know, an APT that needs to be reckoned with. Um, again, I don't really hear much about Turkish. I'm not saying that they're not doing it, but, um, you know, I, I don't even know, like, I don't know if anyone in chat knows this. I would, I would appreciate some perspective on this, but like, who is Turkey fighting? Like who's an adversary of Turkey? They're targeting orgs in Europe and Middle East. Um, with this. So that sounds equal opportunity to me, right? Because I know some of the European countries are more NATO. Some of the Middle Eastern countries are more BRICS. Uh, again, I'm overgeneralizing, but like there doesn't seem to be a pattern uh, unless Turkey's just like, you know, <laughs> Turkey's like, hey, we should totally get in on this uh, cyber threat actor stuff. Let's just start, you know, turn on the vacuum and suck up everything and then we'll sort it out afterwards, right? It's like, yeah. Um, Mostly doing DNS hijacking. Um, honestly, my brain isn't working right now. And I, I literally can't describe DNS hijacking. <laughs> um, if it is what I think it is, 
DNS hijacking is basically, remember, DNS is where you type in like google.com and hit enter. The computer doesn't care about google.com. The internet doesn't care about google.com. The Google, the Google, the internet and computers care about IP addresses, IPv4 addresses. You know, <laughs> the internet will have you think that IPv6 is the jam, but it's still IPv4. And when you translate it, you use DNS to translate google.com into whatever the uh, IP address is and then off and running. I suspect, again, my brain is foggy right now, that DNS hijacking is where you usurp that translation either by using like local DNS or overriding DNS with update uh, updates that would change the IP address in the DNS records. Long story short, when you type in google.com and hit enter, it routes it to a maliciously controlled um, IP address or uh, infrastructure. And then it looks like google.com. It says google.com in the browser, but in reality, you're on malicious infrastructure. That's what DNS hijacking is, if I'm not mistaken. So, all right. Anyways, Turkey's in the game. Turkey has entered the chat. Okay. And now a word from our sponsor, Vanta. From dozens of spreadsheets and screenshots to fragmented tools and manual security reviews, managing the requirements for modern compliance and security programs is increasingly challenging. Vanta is the leading trust management platform that helps you centralize your efforts to establish trust and enable growth across your organization. Over 6,000 companies partner with Vanta to automate compliance, strengthen security posture, streamline security reviews, and reduce third-party risk. To see Vanta's platform firsthand and access resources plus a special offer, go to vanta.com slash CISO and watch their three-minute product demo. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash CISO. All right. Hey, welcome to the party, pal. Jaja Nev's in the house. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party and Jaja. You know what we do um, at the mid-roll every day? Let me show you. Hey, hey, hey. Ooh, all right. Hey, thank you all for being here. Hope you're having a great show. Hope you're having a great morning. Giddy up on it. Thank you to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber and Panopsi. Also, much love to Anti-Siphon Training. Guys, we are getting closer and closer to the end of the month in the beginning of February. Why is that germane to this discussion? Because Anti-Siphon Training's got something for you. They are here to disrupt the traditional cybersecurity training industry because they provide high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone, all 436 of you if you want it, regardless of financial position. Listen, at the end of the month, the last week of January, John Strand himself will be doing a free, or whatever you want to pay, but free is an option, Cybersecurity training on active defense and cyber deception. That one right there on on stream. He's also doing SOC core skills the week after that. So you can get back to back last week of January, first week of February. Amazing training from a freaking awesome professional for whatever you want, including zero dollars. Take advantage of this opportunity. I have links to both of those specific trainings in the description below. Click on them, check them out. I'm telling you, I've taken this active defense and cyber deception. It is an exceptional class. I loved it. Check it out. Thanks to Anti-Siphon Training for the continued support and sponsorship. 
All right, guys, if you're getting value from the show, if you're getting value from the sponsors, if you're getting value from entertainment, education, holla, 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 hit the like button. It goes a long way. It goes a very long way to help other people find the stream. The reason we have over 100,000 subs on the YouTube channel, the reason there's 430 people in the chat is because folks like you hit the like button every day, which pushes the algorithm to go tell other cyber people what's up. All right. Want to say shout out to the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. For anyone out there, Mia W currently has the baton. Mia W, please tag somebody. For everybody else, check this out. If you want to blow up your professional network in a meaningful way, this is how you do it. Go on LinkedIn, search for this hashtag, hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. When you search it, the posts of the baton holders are going to show up. Go into their post, read their story, like you're connecting with these people. Comment on their story, connect with them, connect with the people in comments. That is an active effort. Five minutes a day, connect with one or two of the posts, right? Now, because you're in the comments, other people are going to connect with you. So passively, you're going to continue to build your network with like-minded, engaging, cybersecurity, aspiring, and active professionals. I'm telling you, five minutes a day for two weeks, come back and tell me I'm wrong. And if you've experienced the Simply Cyber Community Challenge and it benefited you, let us know in chat. I would love... The thing is, like, you could you can hear me say it, but, like testimonial in the chat. I know it's helped several people. Thanks Mia W for your post. Mr. Green reads right there. Simply cyber community challenge will blow up your LinkedIn. No joke. That's right. All right, guys, I want to say every Monday is the simply cyber community member shout out or, um, holla, holla, holla. And we've got a good one. Many of you know, my friend, Jess Bishop, but Jess Bishop, is a longtime Simply Cyber community member. She came to Wildwood Hackenfest. She was there for the throwdown. She's been on stream before talking about SOC analyst work on the third shift overnight. She's been friends with the community and a friend of mine for several years now. If you see Jess in the hallway, say hi. She is an exceptional professional, and I'm very happy to have her in the community. Thanks so much, Jess. All right, let's get back to the stream and back to the work. Zeppelin ransomware source code sold on Hacking Forum for $500. The Zeppelin ransomware evolved from the Vega and Vega Locker malware families that were active up to 2022. The source code to the original version of Zeppelin was obtained by a threat actor who said he, quote, simply managed to crack a builder version for it, end quote. He is now selling it for $500 and has said he will stop the sale after the first successful bidder confirms. Experts, however, express concern that whoever buys the package could, quote, use the malware to spin up a new ransomware-as-a-service operation or write a new locker based on the Zeppelin family, end quote. Whatever. New York. Dude, experts are warned a new variant of ransomware could spin up. That's like saying, like, <laughs> that's like saying you, like, like, you, you're selling, like, one weed in your yard. And threat actors, I mean, um, experts are are scared that whoever buys the weed is going to cause more weeds to appear in your yard. Are you kidding me, dude? Like ransomware is, it's it's all over the place, man. We've got an epidemic going on. Like, I don't know what experts are worried that a, a Zeppelin variant could come out 
like, what are you worried about? Second of all, with all due respect, okay, this threat actor stole from another threat actor. So no, um, no honor among thieves. Catch me outside. How about that? No honor among thieves, but dude, he's selling it for 500 bucks and will shut it down after the first buy. My friend, my friend, you're a criminal. <laughs> okay. Why are you shooting your shot for $500? I mean, with all due respect, 500 bucks does make a difference, but whoever buys that ransomware source code, it, like they're going to make more than $500, like easily with their first victim. I, I really think you're, you're selling yourself short. Um, again, I do not condone or endorse cyber criminal activity at all. I do look at things through the lens of um, business though. And $500 one time for your asset. I mean, come on, <laughs> what are you going to do, man? What are you going to do? I, I don't know. I, I just think that's a um, not a good move. Oh, hold on. Coming in hot. We've got, um, we've got Eric Taylor. Eric Taylor from the top rope dropping a 50 uh, sub uh, squad membership. Thanks so much, Eric. Did we just become best friends? Yep. If you are one of the four, if you are one of the 50 people who are now becoming squad members, what? Secondly, Eric Taylor just dropping bombs in here. A hundred, 100 new squad members have entered the chat. If you are one of the individuals who is catching these uh, squad memberships, like Emmanuel Otto, um, Jazz Papyrus, Roman Charleston, M. Pena, if you're one of those, first of all, thank you to Eric Taylor. Second of all, if you're a regular squad member, go ahead and drop those Oprah emotes. Get up in here, Oprah. You get a squad membership. You get a squad membership. And if you're a newly minted squad member, do check out the emote tray. We've got lots of emotes for you to play with and be part Obviously, your your name is going to change color too. Uh, Eric, thanks so much. And that is Toasty. Toasty. Attorney General reaches agreement with healthcare provider over a ransomware attack. According to its press release, the Office of the Attorney General found that Refua Health Center, quote, failed to maintain appropriate controls to protect and limit access to sensitive data, including by failing to encrypt patient information and using multi-factor authentication, end quote. This follows a May 2021 ransomware attack that, quote, compromised the personal and private information of approximately 250,000 New Yorkers, end quote. Refua is now required to invest $1.2 million to strengthen its cybersecurity and pay $450,000 in penalties and costs. A link to the Attorney General's press release is available in the show notes to this episode. All right, so a couple things here. One... This attorney general, Letitia James, I think she's the same one who's uh, trying uh, Trump in the, in the New York City court case around the business practices. Uh, this show is not political, so I don't want to get into anything Trump. I'm just, all I'm saying is this attorney general, dude, she's like, she's like, um, oh my god, what was the the attorney in um, Batman movies? uh ultimately becomes the two the two the two-face uh criminal but like just like wrecking stuff dude like like just getting after it she's gone after this healthcare provider to invest 1.2 million dollars to protect patient data they got fined 450 grand as well I, what i will say is good 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 first of all forcing them to invest in cybersecurity like oh that makes me want to just like like bat like just 
That's so frustrating that they literally had to have a massive compromise and then have a, a public official come after them and get them to invest in cybersecurity. So first of all, ugh. second of all, if you're the CISO at uh, Hudson Valley Healthcare Provider, way to go, buddy. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the you just got a $1.2 million budget line item. That's sick. Now, check this out. Part of the reason that they got hit with such a gross uh, slap you in the face, they didn't encrypt patient data, which is okay. Like you should have it encrypted, but I'm willing to extend them a little bit of understanding because, you know, patient data is all over the place and, you know, it's kind of hard to encrypt it consistently. But they didn't have multi-factor authentication enabled. You don't have multi-factor authentication enabled, bro. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. No, you cannot. I'm not going to get on my soapbox here, but just come on. You cannot. I don't care if you're healthcare, you're retail, you're something in between, you're public service, you're water municipality. You have to have multi-factor authentication on your accounts, period, full stop. What are you doing? It's not even, oh. Like I don't okay, I'm not gonna get on a soapbox. All right, so impacted uh impacted people, they had their names, addresses, phone numbers, socials, driver's license, date of birth, financial accounts, medical insurance information, healthcare related information, all exposed. Uh, so, anyways, way to go, Letitia James. And hopefully this is a uh I don't think this is going to change any other businesses. Uh, this isn't going to motivate other businesses to be like, oh, we don't want to be, we don't want to be Hudson Valley Healthcare. Ugh. No, other businesses are like, ha. Like, if anything, they're like, oh, like it only costs 450 grand in a penalties. Instead of proactively investing a million dollars in cyber, let's invest like nothing or whatever we've been doing. And if we get, if we get hacked, ah. Uh, We'll probably make more, like, it's just, to me, like, I get this, but at the same time, I don't think this is going to motivate other companies, right? So, there it is. Nick Barker's in chat, everybody. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party. And now, last week in ransomware. This past last week of the holiday season saw Xerox confirm that its subsidiary, Xerox Business Solutions, was indeed attacked by the Inc. ransomware operation. The ransomware group told Bleeping Computer that they had, quote, much greater access to Xerox than is being disclosed, end quote, although Bleeping Computer has not been able to independently confirm this. Also, we reported on Australia's court services Victoria suffering a ransomware attack, the Swedish national grocer Co-op attacked by the Cactus Group, and the Ohio Lottery attacked by Dragonforce. It's time to get excited because we... All right. So um, if you didn't know, there's basically like a ransomware roundup every Monday, um, kind of from the previous week. I always tell people the same thing. Um, find, you know, dude, <laughs> there's always going to be ransomware until things change. Like, the, you know, there's ransomware, 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 ransomware. That's why, like, I lost my mind about that Zeppelin story a few minutes ago. Experts are warned that a new variant of ransomware will come up. Dude, get in line. Like, welcome to like... Seriously, you know what? Like, this is it right here. Um, okay, this is it right here. 
This is ransomware in 2024, okay? Or businesses having to deal with ransomware. You're talking about, you're talking about like Zeppelin's gonna be something, ooh, a new variant might pop up. That's like lighting a match in this room. Like, okay, <laughs> throw it on the tire fire. So I always advise people, go in here, find a ransomware story, at least one that uh, re resonates with like your business, your geographical location, your industry, you know, what, whatever it is, there's got, Hey, there's something here for everybody. Right. It's like if, if, if Oprah was the ransomware person, like you get a ransomware story, you get a ransomware story. So find something in here that resonates with you and then use it either file it away and use it later or use it now. How do I use it, Jerry? I don't get it. Well, two things. One, you can easily make some type of end user awareness training, whether it's uh, generalized for the overall, you know, workforce in general, whether it's tailored for, excuse me, whether it's tailored for the executives, right? They said in this story, Xerox Business Solutions had a massive attack, okay, cyber attack. And they're reporting that it wasn't a big deal. The actual attackers, Inc. ransomware gang is claiming on dark web that it's much bigger than Xerox is publicly declaring. There's an interesting conversation and awareness for the executive team. Hey, executives, what if we had a massive cyber attack that compromised, I don't know, like our entire customer database or our you know, our, our intellectual property or whatever, right? Like something sensitive. Let's just talk through in a tabletop. What would we disclose? What would we, what would we say publicly? This isn't even a technical tabletop. This isn't in the bits and bytes. We're not talking about recovering. We're not talking about backups. We're not talking about the call list. I'm asking you executives, what would we report out? It's simple, right? Those kind of conversations get the wheels turning, okay? That, that just multiple ways to do that. Another way uh, to use this information, if you're looking for more of a technical solution, find a company that got hit, like, okay, so Inc. Uh, ransomware Gang. Then look at how Inc. Ransomware Gang gets initial uh, access, initial foothold, right? Then talk to your SOC, or if you're a one-person shop, like look at your own EDR detections or email gateway policies and stuff and say, hey, if whatever Inc. Ransomware's you know, initial attack vector is, would, how would we stack up against it? Again, I don't advise people to tailor their security program for a specific threat actor. Only if you are an optimized, like, you know, level five out of five InfoSec program, which almost none of us are, um, would you want to tailor it for like, oh, like we're going to run some Lazarus group scenarios today. Like, no, like just fundamentals. But as an exercise, it's a good way to say, okay, like according to the MITRE ATT&CK framework, this is how they get initial access. Or once they get on the box, they use, you know, LSS memory dumps to get OS credentials. Let's go ahead and see if our EDR will uh, catch that by using something like, I don't know, um, Atomic Red Team, which is free. You could use that. Okay. All right. So that's that. 847. We've got a, this was a quick show today, guys. Um, I mean, some of these stories were kind of silly, like um, this guy um, violating his his um, terms of, of whatever. But anyways, that is that. Wait, let me do this really quickly. All right. So yeah, let's go. Oh, hey. So uh, Rex with a super chat, the Dragon Force ransomware better play through the fire and flames. Best friends. Yep. Love it, love it, love it. Thanks for the super chat. 
Uh, Roderick Johnson, if you're talking about the squad membership uh, on YouTube, there should be a button that says join. Uh, we have two plans. One's two bucks and one is five bucks. Um, yeah, thanks, zombie guy, Justin. The blue badge looks good on you, too. All right. Hey, guys, if you were here just for the news right before you leave, I want you to know that this Thursday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, Mike Saunders is coming on from Red Siege. This guy, guys, if you could take if you could take some of the most skilled, expert cybersecurity, offensive security professionals and, and like bundle them up into like one person, this would be him. Okay. This guy isn't like hacker, all the things. This guy is a surgical, precise weapon. And he can, he can emulate, like when I talked about optimized programs and stuff like that and running Atomic Red Team, that's fine if you are, you know, you've got kind of like a, um, a brittle cybersecurity program. No shame, no shade being thrown. But like if you're like tier one, tier two, you're still trying to figure things out. You don't have MFA rolled out, like stuff like that. Take care of that. But when you are optimized and you're ready to go beyond just kind of automatic technical tooling for testing and you want to test legit, like would Lazarus get us? Would Muddy Waters get us? Would that Turkish APT get us? This guy right here, Mike Saunders, he's like a chameleon. He's comma, 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 chameleon. He can literally be like, I'm going to be this, this threat actor. I'm going to use these techniques to bust into your organization. He is incredibly talented, and we're very fortunate that he's going to come on, and he's going to tell us all the offensive security things that you didn't know you needed to know. Such a cool guy. I'm super excited. If you got a chance to talk to him at Wild West Hack and Fest, you know how awesome he is. Um, so that's that. All right, guys. If you were here just for the news, peace out. If you'd like to hang around, high five, and do some jaw jacking, settle in. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. This has been the Daily Cyber Threat Brief. See you in a minute. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Simply Cyber Breakfast Club, formerly known as Jaw Jack. And I'm your host, Jerry Guy, coming hot off the coming hot off the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing with Dr. Osher. <laughs> I'll just assume two identities. I'll, I'll pull a Clark Kent. You guys will never know. You'll never know it was me doing the streams. <laughs> my Harry Potter glasses. So what's up, everybody? Somebody asked, uh, when does classes start back up? This Thursday, it will be my first class back at the Citadel. So no jaw jacking on Thursdays and Tuesdays uh, starting this Thursday, which is bittersweet. I'm going to miss it, but I got to go teach the uh, the next generation here. Matt McDaniel's in the hizzy. What's up, Matt? What's up, everybody? Great show today. I hope everybody had a great weekend. I uh, Take it easy, Benjamin Lou. Hashtag Team SC. I love it. Hope everyone had a great weekend. Shout out to Timothy Bradley. Timothy Bradley, who picked up the uh, baton. Timothy, look forward to your uh, post on LinkedIn. Hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Yeah, I don't know, Mr. Greenreads. I, I walked in here and I saw just a flash of a, a of an academic nerd running out of here. So, 
Hey, Alana. No, these actually are frameless. These are like those blue tint ones. Although I will say to everybody in chat, I, I believe I finally need to go get glasses. I, um, I got, I got my eyes looked at like a couple years ago. And like one of my eyes is like kind of bulging, which is not a problem. It's not like it's going to blow out of my head or something, but the, my, um, uh, optometrist was like, you know, you're going to need glasses eventually. I said, well, let's get them now. Then he's like, well, if you get glasses now, your eyes are going to like get not lazy, but like start to depend on them. So like, you should go as long as you can without them. Cause once you get them, you got to get them. And I said, all right, well, I was looking at a menu, um, this weekend and I couldn't read it. And, uh, my wife was joking that I was going to pull out like that credit card, uh, magnifying glass with the little light on it that you see typically older people with at the restaurants looking at. So I think it's time. I think it's time. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. I will tell you, I can't do contact lenses. Uh, Rex is in the hizzy. There's another side to that. The more those fines build up, the more the cost of improving security appears more cost effective. True, true. Yeah. BSEC shares a thought. Always monitor what's going on in your industry with ransomware. Exactly. Take it easy, Jesse Johnson. Uh, so Hunter Moore is a senior at U uh, U uh, University of North Georgia. If I'm not mistaken, North Georgia is a pretty solid cybersecurity program. It's I'm almost positive. It's kind of there's a couple programs in the United States that are kind of like sleepy, strong cyber programs. Dakota State University obviously is a really good one. Uh, I don't think um, that's a sleepy one though. I think most people know DSU is pretty solid. Um, um, I think University of Central Florida is also a dynamite program, but I think North Georgia is one. Anyways, um, Hunter Moore is majoring in cyber and was wondering why the Citadel doesn't participate in the NSA Codebreaker Challenge. Um, I don't know that answer, Hunter Moore. Um, I know some of the students at Citadel Ha, are individually participating in the Codebreaker Challenge because one of my students in class last semester was like doing it in class. And uh, so I, I, I don't know, but it's certainly worth mentioning um, or I'll bring it up at um, the Citadel. The thing you got to know, guys, like I'm adjunct faculty at the Citadel. I have a ton of stuff going on. So I, I can't like be super, like I can't be a coach for the cyber team at Citadel, for example, right? Um, we had a question here, Augusto Delgado, why doesn't healthcare orgs like to invest in cyber programs for the same reason? Most organizations don't want to invest in cyber programs, Augusto, two reasons. One, because they cost money and it, they don't appear to have any return on investment. You give me a million dollars and nothing bad happens. Then you're like, what did I get for my million? Not realizing that the reason nothing happened was because you gave me the million. And then the other reason is because it introduces friction to business operations. Let's get serious about cyber. Oh, now I have to log in multiple times. Let's get serious about cyber. Oh, I can't access this unless I go into the office. Like it, it introduces friction to business and the, the business doesn't like that. That's why you typically see businesses kind of be like dodgy with InfoSec and then they get popped and then they get serious about it. All right. Um, All right, Nicholas Ellis. <laughs> Nicholas Ellis says, uh, when trying to get into the industry, do you think that cold emailing orgs and cyber teams is worthwhile way to find potential positions? 
Um, I don't think so. Honestly, I think networking in person, go to conferences, like think about this for a second, Nicholas. And, and thank you for the question. Thank you for the question. Um, we as practitioners are trained to be like sus of, um, emails, right? So if someone sends like a cold email that we don't know, talking about a position or whatever, uh, I don't know. It's not that good. I will say that if you send it internally, that's a good move, right? So I worked for a consulting firm, huge consulting firm back in the um, early 2000s. And I just opened up the uh, global address list in Outlook and sorted by manager and above and by cybersecurity as the like business unit that they rolled under. And I used that as a punch list. And I literally emailed one one after another, one after another, one after another. Um, but it came from inside the organization. So you already had that kind of trust, uh, just like going on LinkedIn actually. So instead of email, I mean, you could go on LinkedIn, you might have more success because that is a social media platform. So people are predisposed to socialize on those platforms. That could be a good move. Also, Nicholas, just as a pro move, I would say offer some value before you try to take value from that person. Right? So like if, if you're emailing me trying like, again, just as an example, you're emailing me or texting me or D or uh, LinkedIn me uh, for a position. You're like, hi, do you have a job I can get? I'm like, no, like, right. But like, say you said, Hey, like, uh, you know, I see, you know, Hey, just quick shout out. Uh, I'm a student or whatever. I- I'm, I'm look, I'm moving into the cyberspace. I just happen to notice this, uh, the story about, um, Oh, this Merck story, right? And the land landmark setting of a $1.4 million, a billion dollar cyber hack, right? Hey, I know you're a pharmaceutical company. I just wanted to shoot this over to you. Thought you might find value in it. You're not really asking for anything. You're providing something to them and starting the conversation. Maybe they reply, hey, thanks so much uh, for letting me know about this. Like, what are you studying? Or when do you graduate, right? That's called networking. Give it give it a shot. Like, so that, that's what I would do over cold email. Um, do you have favorites for best study guides for CompTIA plus? Um, so, I mean, I guess I would say Mr. Green reads, like I haven't, I haven't gotten a cert since like 2017, maybe like I got my security plus in like 2004 or something. Um, so I haven't really done CompTIA studies in a while. But I will say that I've always found, honestly, it costs a little bit more and it's annoying, but I've always found the uh, the official documentation from the certification body is usually the best. And I'll tell you why. Two reasons. One, the certification bodies, they're for-profit businesses. They're making straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. Okay? So they, they make money off of selling the exam vouchers and the training. They want their training to be the best, right? So they're more likely to put like how they're going to ask the questions in their books. They're more likely to put actual questions you're going to see in the books, right? So there's that. I will say that um, the um, I think Mike Myers Passport series was pretty good back in the day. But for me, I, I don't know what brand it is, but like I always would get like the red one with a little bit of yellow on it, whatever one that is. Hopefully that helps. 
Uh, if you're studying Security Plus, also, Mr. Green reads, may I recommend Jesse Johnson's Slay Security Plus? Pretty dope. Um, James Jennings, hashtag first timer live, four months on replay, Spotify. Awesome. Um, judges, are we going to call that a first timer? Yes, yes, James, we've confirmed. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Um, Hey, really quickly, I don't know if anyone has thoughts on this, but I recently, like maybe a, a month or two ago, we still we still put the audio right after the stream onto Spotify and Apple Podcasts and stuff. But I've done something in YouTube. YouTube wants to become like a podcast platform. So you can like feed the audios directly into po uh, YouTube Podcasts. And if you guys have seen on the channel, let me let me show you this really quickly. Which, which one are you going to get? Yeah, there we go. If you guys have seen on the channel, um, you see how it's all these daily cyber threat briefs? These are the audio podcasts, and they show up as produced videos on the channel. And when you watch them, I mean, it's just, it's just that, right? There's no, there's no video. So it's literally the same thing as um, the daily cyber threat brief, audio only. I have a question for chat, right? Since you guys are the community, is that distracting? Is it add any value? Is it confusing? Cause like, I don't need to put it there. Like it's literally the same thing that's on Spotify and Apple podcasts. And if it's dorking up the way that you get value from simply cyber, let me know and I'll get rid of it. I've been, I've been wanting to ask the question for a few weeks now. Um, let's see. Nick Barker says, thank you for doing the audio ones only terrified of getting pulled over. Yeah, no kidding. No problem, Nick. I, I think it's unnecessary, but, um, so Chris Young, I'm, I'm asking. So when I go on YouTube, I'm thinking of videos, right? If you go on my simply cyber channel, there's, you know, a ton of videos that add value, right? Like, um, like all of these videos, right? You know, the, the uh, Simply CyberCon, Google CyberCert Review, Break into Cyber, Chap GPT like a boss. But the most recent ones, because I don't do the produced videos that often, are all these audio-only podcasts. Like, I almost feel like I should create a new channel just for the Daily Cyber Threat Brief, honestly. But it, it, is anyone using this? You could see, like, a couple hundred views each. I just, I, I don't know if it's, if it, I don't know if doing this audio-only thing is screwing up the way that somebody might come to Simply Cyber and be like, oh, what kind of content's on this channel? Oh, it's just a bunch of audio podcasts. I don't know. Um, all right. Three to the right of video says podcast. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. But that's the weird thing. That's the weird thing is like, these are showing up in my produced videos, which I don't really like. You can see right here, this is where the whole playlist shows up, right? Like if this happened, I would be fine with it. I, I don't like that it's posting it here. Maybe that's a configurable, configurable thing. I don't know. I guess people would go to home anyways. I guess if you go to the home page, it wouldn't be as distracting because I can I can kind of control what shows up here. Um, all right, thanks for the feedback. I'll, I'll go back and look at chat afterwards and get some feedback. 
Uh, I think I am on Google Podcasts, Legrat. Um, good call, Christina. I did. Good call. Um, that's a very good call. I will. Um, I can update that daily cyber threat brief to say audio only, like maybe watermark it. All right, I, I'm gonna have to look at it. These are a lot of good ideas. A lot of good ideas here. Silent Hawk says maybe a SC audio YouTube channel that could work too. All right, bye Jenny Housley. Yeah, all right. So I'm gonna, I've been thinking about this for some time. It's been annoying me. I did want to ask the community first about these audio only ones before I took action. So, all right, I'll, I'll take action on that. Um, so I got, I got a cool, two cool things for you guys. Uh, one, uh, I've got two produced videos coming out this week. One is like, if I was going to break into cyber in 2024, um, what would I do? And then the other one, I told you guys last week, I, um, I found this blog post. Um, I found this blog post the other day, right? And I was like, this is kind of cool. So yesterday I, um, hopped on the computer, fired up the, the, um, the, the screen record and just went ham on this thing. And I went through this entire blog post and then I came up with three resume bullets that are completely appropriate to put on your resume. After you complete this lab, the lab is free to complete. And uh, you can go, it's kind of like that Eric Capuano lab. Like this is a solid foundation and then you can build on top of it. You can go crazy. Um, you can go crazy um, leveling up. So that should, it's with the editors right now. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully they get that back to me soon. But I, I hope, I, I know it's going to be a really cool video and it's going to add value to people. Um, but hopefully the editors can make it look cool too. Thanks, Nick Barker. Yeah, the lab is cool. I think I think people are really going to enjoy it. No. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Uh, resume bullets that we add from GRC Masterclass is one of the coolest things ever. Yep. Thanks, Nick Barker. And you know, another thing I don't do, because I don't know, like it's probably not good for the algorithm, but like, at the very beginning, I show you the three resume bullets you're going to get. I don't like blur them out and like stay tuned to the end of the video where you'll get the three resume bullets. Like no one's got time for that. <laughs> All right. James Jennings listens to the show with the kids. Sorry, Kennedy. Hopefully, James, I try to keep the show uh, kid friendly. Uh, Curiosity for Life wants to know if uh, John Strand saw core skills training more for professionals or people new to cyber. Uh, in my opinion, uh, curiosity for life, I believe it is people new to cyber. Um, you can still enjoy it if you take it, but there's a lot of fundamentals. There's a lot of like it fundamentals in that class. It's not like day one lab one, you're in a SIM, like ripping things apart. It's much more like, you know, here's what operating system is. Here's what networking is. This is et cetera. 
Thanks for hosting the Simply Cyber Breakfast Club. Please keep doing it. Oh, thanks so much, Chris Young. Did we just become best friends? Yep. All right. I love it, love it, love it. <laughs> thanks, Jamie Fleck. I get it. Uh, upgrading. Okay, I see, I see. Nick Barker saying that the uh, Eric Capuano, so you want to be a SOC analyst, is super valuable. 100% agree. That is definitely on the channel. I'll share that with you guys really quickly. It's one of my favorite, um, like when I always say I have a video for that, the Eric Capuano, uh, so you want to be a SOC analyst. This is my favorite. Like I've got a playlist for that. I'll drop a link in chat. If you're remotely interested in learning like hands-on practical SOC analyst skills, this is where it's at. Giddy up on this. Um, so good. Eric's over at um, Lima Charlie now, but so good. So hot. That Hansel's so hot right now. I love it. Oh, oh hey, so Kenneth Lowy says he would like to see a Simply Cyber Darknet Diaries type of podcast. That would be cool. I don't have the time to produce it nearly as well as Jack does. But um, for those who, who stay, stick around for jawjacking, a.k.a. Simply Cyber Breakfast Club, I always drop jewels later on because they come up. I think of them at the time. Um, our good friend, Jack Recider, creator of Darknet Diaries, is coming on Simply Cyber Live um, and soon. He has to pick the date. I haven't seen if he picked the date, but I reached out to him. I said, Hey, you want to come on the show? He said, absolutely. High five. We've got Tiberius coming on the show pretty soon. High fives across there. Uh, Chris Kubeka will be coming on the stream um, at some point soon. Um, oh my God. Um, um, Tom Nom Nom. <laughs> if you know him. Tom Nom Nom, who's like an unbelievable next level, I guess, hacker, if you want to call it that. Um, he's amazing. We've got a, a we've got a bananas lineup coming for you. And and like I said, Mike Saunders of Red Siege, freaking dynamite too. I, I'm I'm honestly gobsmacked at, at the lineup of uh, professionals that we're going to be bringing in here um, the next couple months here. So just... You know how we do. It's called the value train. All aboard. All right. Um, thanks so much, Kimberly, for mod chat. The true benefit of... Oh, I, I've already read that one. Yep. The audio podcast saves battery. I 100% agree. All right. Uh, when I first found your channel, the audio podcast got me confused a little bit. Yeah, thanks, Chris Gregg. I'm going to I'm gonna stop doing that audio podcast thing. It, I, it, I got to figure that out. That's like on my to-do list to get to done list today. I might even actually go in and um, unlist all those produced videos just to clean it up. Jide E is in the hizzy. Simply Cyber Breakfast Hour should issue its CPE credits too because it gives more insight on issues and advises need in the industry. Just a thought. Yeah, I appreciate that, Jide. I, I wouldn't, I mean, it, you're welcome to do your own CPEs. For me personally, um, the Daily Cyber Threat Brief is undeniably uh, an instructor-led webinar. Jawjacking, I mean, sometimes we're talking about uh, AI beer can artwork and stuff like that. So I, I would I would be a little reluctant to do that. 
So, like fun little projects we got going here. I, it's kind of like s slightly off stage here, but if you could see that, let BSEC know that right there is a turntable. Those right there are records. I'm going to put the records on the turntable. I'm slowly setting this thing up and uh, we're going to get old school. I will not be like wicka, 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 whack. I will not be scratching my records. I will just be sitting and enjoying my records. Uh, I'm surprised Our Lady of Cybersecurity uh, hasn't asked to be on the global reaching community. Uh, thanks, Chris Young. One day, Jen will be up in here. Jerry, do you have a template for GRC that can speak to the business for investigating in their cybersecurity? It's all, do, do you mean investing in cybersecurity? Um, if you mean investing in cybersecurity, I do not have a template. Uh, honestly, I mean, there's probably some type of like standard approach to it, but in reality, like getting a company to invest in cybersecurity, it's not like, oh, hey, like, you know, uh, let me talk to you about your expiring car warranty. It's like, you kind of like when you're trying to get someone to, to, to invest in security, you really have to like understand like what are their motivations it gets into a human psychology thing right like some you know you can use fear uncertainty and doubt which is called fud you can use that but that's a that's really a tool you don't want to like whip out um right off the off the go um you have to understand their business and really the, the individual's motivations right so and then you have to kind of another thing you have to like have them discover that they are exposed to more risk than they actually want. Like walking up to someone and being like, you don't use multi-factor authentication. You're in a hot mess express and you're you're gonna float down the river in a dumpster fire. They're gonna be like, it was fine yesterday. It was fine the day before. We haven't had any issues, please move. And uh, so in reality, I mean, you have to have a conversation. So unfortunately it's, so there really isn't a, a straight question like that. Um. Chris Young at the April show in Vegas. Can we include a prop like a swear jar? <laughs> yeah, we could totally do that. I, I actually have a call with the executives, the studio executives tomorrow afternoon to sort out some of the finer points. So um, yeah, if we could get a swear jar going, that would be like a fun little uh, Easter egg for everybody. Nick Barker. Um, how does getting a security clearance benefit someone in cybersecurity? Oh, Darren. Because it opens up a, a ton of jobs that you wouldn't have access to, right? So think think about like think of a security clearance, the same as like a bachelor's degree, right? Like, not even actually like you know how some jobs are like bachelor's degree minimum, and so like you go to apply and they're like denied because you don't have a bachelor's degree. A, a security clearance is like that where they're like this job requires a security clearance. If you don't have it, don't apply. So by having the clearance, basically there's an entire market of jobs that a lot of people can't apply to that you can apply to. So there's a smaller pool of candidates and you can you know, do it, right? Now, the, the one difference between a bachelor's degree that I used as an example and a security clearance is that some jobs will look past the fact that you don't have a bachelor's degree. No job that requires a clearance will look past that you don't have a clearance, okay? Because they won't be able to bid on the contracts. Plus, it's usually related to government contracting, which there's an A-load of jobs around. I myself have had a clearance. It's now, uh, 
I forget what the term is, but like defunct or disabled. Um, Mike, when you're no longer working on a project that requires a clearance, they deactivate it. And then after a certain period of time, they uh, expire it. So, yeah. When will we see a cyber parenting video, mister? I have a video for that. <laughs> Upgrading Jeff. That's a good question. I do not have it on my uh, roadmap right now. That doesn't mean I don't want to do it. That doesn't mean it's not a great idea. Um, honestly, I just have to get a little inspired. When I make those type of videos, um, like the Sim Lab video, like I woke up on Sunday morning. I'm like, I want to do this right now. Like it's, it's kind of gross, but like I was wearing my pajamas. Not that you would know. Not that you would know in the in the video, but like basically I rolled out of bed and walked into the studio and shot that video. Um, so the cyber parenting video for sure. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe soon. Maybe like five, five things that you can do to secure your child or something like that. Thank you, Upgrading Jeff, for uh, poking me. Uh, breakfast hour should issue CPE credits too. Oh yeah. We already talked about that. Uh, C bright has a question. How would you go about getting security clearance? Navy vet here, but was a corpsman. Um, well you, so here's one thing that a lot of people don't know, or at least I, I didn't know. You can't go get a clearance on your own. There's no, like, this isn't like TSA pre-check where you like fill out some paperwork and you're good to go. You have, it's expensive. And you have to, like, it has to be, like, sponsored, basically. So the only way I know, there's two ways to get a clearance. One, join the military or get it, become an elected official that requires access to those type of things, which, you know, those are two big, big things. The other one and the more realistic one is go work for a large government contractor and get on a project that requires a clearance. A small government contractor will likely require you to have a clearance before they hire you because they don't want to absorb the cost of um, paying for the investigation. A large one, they do it all day, every day, right? So um, go get on a project. That's what I did. It's fairly easy to find them. Um, you know, DC, Virginia, I mean, Charleston, San Diego, um, Hawaii, any, anywhere that like has a, you know, a lot of government stuff, right? Like you could do that. I mean, obviously DC and Northern Virginia is like the easiest place to go. So, uh, Rhonda Rummerfield saying, check out USA jobs. Um, exactly. There you go. Let's see. Uh, if you were in the military, you should already have a clearance. Uh, says Christina Paulica. Exactly. Oh, that's a good point. So Christina Paulica uh, points out that if you've had a clearance before, include it on your resume and say expired because it costs less and it's it's more it's more inviting to an employer if you've already had one that could be renewed versus a new clearance to get investigated. Um, let's see. Kenneth's got one. Nice. Upgrading Jeff says I was told by a retired FBI OSIN agent that it costs about 60 to hundred for the investigation. Yeah. I've heard it's about a hundred grand. Um, 
I've heard it's a hundred grand. Did Christina have a question for me? I saw Christina answering questions. I don't know if she asked one. All right. Uh, the parenting video would be great. My kid downloads whatever looks good. I had to wipe her phone because we kept having ads start playing when they were using other apps. Yeah, it's it's bad. Um, I mean, honestly, there's enough information out there that you could make like a whole series of videos like how to secure your child's Android phone, how to secure your child's iPhone, how to secure your child's Windows machine, how to, um, how to put like basically a firewall on your home network to prevent your kids from doing dumb stuff. How to get how to get notified if your kid's computer um, is doing stuff? How, like like how to have a conversation with your kids about whatever? How to teach your kids about uh, random phone calls and random text messages from like pig butchering scams? Right? There's a whole. I mean, that's a whole. I mean, that could be like a YouTube channel, frankly, or a lot of Instagram content. Oh, guys, you know who else is coming on the show? I don't know if you know Sandra from the uh, YouTube channel with Sandra. I met with her last Friday. What a delightful person. She is wonderful. We shared some like YouTube tips and tricks. Um, I, I really, you know, appreciate her. Like she's cool and uh, she's going to come on the channel. We're going to interview her too. Um But she's got a huge Instagram presence. And I told her, like, I admitted about how I suck at Instagram and how I think I'm, like, too old to use it and I'm, I'm clunky. And she's like, no. Like, she was, like, really, like, uh, inspiring. She's like, come on, you can do it. Like, once you get the hang of it, it'll be fun. And um, so maybe I'll make another run at, um, at, Inst at Instagram. Yeah, here. I don't know if you know. Like, Nick, here, I'll, I'll pull her up. Um Um, also, you know who I haven't seen in, um, in chat for a while, Sherry, do you guys remember Sherry? She was the grandmother. She was like a retired, like theoretical physicist. Um, I haven't seen her in chat. So this is Sandra right here. I don't know if you guys know her. She does more than cybersecurity. She does like, um, she does like travel and stuff in her her, her boyfriend or husband or partner, um, is a software engineer, but look at her like Instagram. Um, I think this is it. Yeah. She's got 130,000 subs on Instagram. See, she does a lot of travel though. Like this is her in Banff, um, up in, uh, Canada, but she does do some cybersecurity stuff. See, the thing is, I don't know the difference between like, yeah, here's like a, here's like her working. Like, I don't know the difference between, um, I don't know the difference between like reels and posts. Like that's how dumb I am when it comes to Instagram. Like I'm literally need help on Instagram. Like I, I need like, <laughs> like literally how to post on Instagram videos. Like put it this way. When I post to Instagram, I'm literally doing it from a desktop computer. I don't even use my phone because I don't even know how to do that. Like that, it sucks that I'm that dumb, but it is what it is. So I just kind of own it, move on. Oh, Kathy Chambers has watched her. Cool, yeah. 
Yeah, she's really nice. Curiosity for Life says he loves her. Yeah, she's she's just a really cool person. I was very um I I it was very nice to meet her. All right, Emilio uh post to Instagram. Good. Yeah, like don't even get me and then there's carousels like ugh. Oh, hey, Nick Barker. Good call. Maybe I should tell Instagram. Uh, I'll tell ChatGPT, listen, you're a social media expert on Instagram and you're trying to teach me how to use it. <laughs> um, thank you, Rhonda Rummerfield. So, all right. So there's other people in here who admit that their Instagram game isn't strong. Post is a photo or text. Okay, cool. What are my thoughts on the SSCP from ISC squared? Okay, Tracy. Um, so here's the deal. I got the SSCP um, a few years ago. This is, I don't know, like, I don't say this to be a flex. I say this because I think it's funny. Like I was bored and I just like went on my lunch break and sat for the SSCP <laughs> just to see like what it was. Um, I got it. Woo! But... I think the SSCP from ISC squared is basically an entry level cert. They're trying to compete directly with the security plus from CompTIA with that certification. Um, I think since then they've released the uh, cybersecurity certification, which is even more to compete directly with security. Plus the SSCP is kind of like CISSP light. Um, I remember the SSCP being more like it focused. I felt like if you were like a, a server admin, or help desk person, it, it might be more um, helpful for you to transition. The one thing I will tell you is that as much as the SSCP was a interesting, fair, cool certification, you have, with any certification, by the way, you have to look at the market, right? Because why are you getting the certification? It's not to prove to yourself that you can do it. You're doing it so you can prove to employers that you're going to do it. So if no employer is looking for candidates with an SSCP, then the value of that cert is nil, right? So you have to go look at like DOD 8570 and see the crosswalk matrix SSCP is there. So there's some value there. You need to look at job postings and see if someone's looking for it. Okay. So unfortunately, I felt like ISC squared really didn't market or push SSCP as an industry cert. So you will see it from time to time, but like, I honestly almost feel like ISC squared did it as a cash grab to have a cert that they could push out and charge people to uh, take without promoting it as a cert that employers would be interested in hiring candidates with it. Again, that's just my anecdotal speculative hot take on that. Uh, do your own research, but that's that's the deal with that. All right. Yeah, Rhonda lost the battle with the with the Instagram. I will tell you, if you go look at my Instagram channel, which is Gerald Lozier Simply Cyber, I believe, you'll notice that like it'll be like six months of nothing, and then there'll be like 14 posts that'll all look kind of similar. And then there'll be like six months of nothing, and then like 10 posts that look totally different from what it was six months ago, but they're all similar to each other. Every couple months, every six months, I like get motivated and I take a run at Instagram and then I immediately get slapped down like wicked hard and then I get frustrated and then I just quit and then, you know, I come back around. It's basically like a carousel, right? 
every every six months i come around that spot on the carousel where i'm like all right and then and then the carousel keeps on going <laughs> what are the good certs for CISO? is the CISP good to get eventually so george yes CISP is good i would also say the cism in my opinion is probably the strongest oh shit i forgot to take the garbage out today hey i gotta go uh, <laughs> I hear the dump truck coming down the road. Uh, I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. Thank you so very much. Love you. Thank you. Mean it. Be well, everybody. Until next time, stay secure. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources.